there are 29 million people with type 2 diabetes. And here's the interesting thing. They also say there's another 84 million people who have prediabetes. That means their blood glucose is high, but not high enough to be diabetes yet. So that's a total of almost 120 million people, which is almost a third of the adults in the United States. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast on social media, please head over to solvingtype2diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. Welcome to this week's episode. I hope you had a great week. I uh, had a very interesting week this week. I've been traveling. And in fact, I'm out visiting my oldest daughter and her family in Arkansas. And I'm living in Pennsylvania. So it's a bit of a flight out here. I actually had to go to Dallas and then to Northwest Arkansas. That wasn't too bad. It gave me a chance to practice packing the proper snacks and getting my walks in airports. And it was a little challenging, but that's to be expected with travel. And I will be having an episode coming up focusing on travel and the challenges with your movement and your eating with type 2 diabetes when you're traveling. That'll be an interesting episode coming up in the future. Again, it's easy to uh, subscribe. You head over to solvingtype2diabetes.com, subscribe, and uh, you make sure you get these new episodes when they come out. Anytime you're traveling, you might not have the same exercise equipment that you're used to, but you can make do. For example, this week I've been mostly walking and making sure that I brought the right snacks with me to the hotel, not relying on hotel snacks, bringing bottled water so I don't have to rely on the soda machine, etc. So far, that's working well. So I want to talk a bit about my numbers this week. There are certain things that I do track, and each week I want to be able to talk about those things and stay consistent with what I track and what I discuss in the podcast. So let's start off. I have an Apple Watch that I use my uh, fitness rings with. Some folks might have a Fitbit or other things like that, but I make sure that I close my Apple rings. And I have done that this week. I've closed my Apple rings each of seven days. I have my three rings. If you're familiar with the Apple Watch, the three rings are move, exercise, and stand. And I have my move goal as 600 calories burnt through movement exercise at 30 minutes, and that's basically get your heart rate up, rest resting. For me, if the heart rate goes above 100, it usually counts as at least mild exercise. And then standing, I have it set at 12 hours a day. So I have to stand for at least a minute or so each hour. Yes, I close my rings this week, which is very good. That's one of the key things that I track. The other thing I track is body fat percentage. We'll get into the details on this once again in a future episode, but I just want to say that my Body fat percentage for this week is 28.2%. Also, I check my blood glucose. I wear a continuous glucose monitor, and I'll be detailing all that in a future episode. My average blood glucose over the past seven days has been 137. 
and you can look that up, that equates to an A1C of about 6.0. And 6.0 is right in the middle of the pre-diabetic range. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but that runs from about 5.4 to about 6.4. And anything in there, they would diagnose as pre-diabetes, but anything higher than 6.4 is type 2 diabetes. So right now, with the medication, with the exercise, with helpful eating. Right now, that's uh, for this week coming in at 6.0, which is a week average of 137. And the nice thing about that continuous glucose monitor, I'm actually talking about this in a news article later in this episode, is that it gives you a reading. It reads it every 15 minutes. So 24 hours a day, I get a reading every 15 minutes. So it's sort of cool. You can go in there and you can see how your blood glucose responds to certain foods you eat, certain exercise you do, time between meals, snacking, things like that. It's really a helpful uh, thing to have. Each episode, I want to talk about my small wins or challenges. So I'm going to call my small wins for this week, being successful in packing the proper snacks, making sure that even though I'm traveling, I'm visiting family, I still got in a good hour, at least an hour walk every day. I had my snacks here at the hotel, did not hit the vending machine. My challenges were the same thing. Travel. The fact that you're in an airplane, at least for two of the days, coming in and going out, you're in an airplane for several hours each way. For me, it was like, I don't know, four and a half, five hours each way uh, because I had a layover. And then also a hotel, not having your gym equipment, not having things you're used to, your schedule, your routine. So that was a challenge, but I, I think I handled it fairly well. All right, I'd like to talk about what's in the news. And uh, this week I have three articles. The first one is from medicalexpress.com. And it's entitled, Individuals with Type 2 Diabetes Respond Differently from Exercise. And I found this article very interesting. And by the way, I'm going to have the links to these three articles in the show notes, and they are always available over at the website. So it goes on to say that folks with type 2 diabetes typically have a dysregulated inflammatory response so that they don't always react typically to really intense exercise. It can affect them differently. Their blood tests would come out different. That it, it sometimes because of this higher levels of inflammation that diabetics, people with type 2 diabetes really run into issues long-term. While people with type 2 diabetes often respond differently, they might be more tired, things like that from exercise, in fact, exercise does them uh, a whole lot of good. In the long term, exercise can really give health-promoting effects and help with the metabolic issues that folks with uh, type 2 diabetes have. So I think that was a helpful article. Again, I'm going to link it in uh, the show notes. The next article is at time.com. It's uh, the online version of Time magazine, and it's entitled High Blood Pressure and Diabetes Are Linked. And it's claims on showing you how to reduce your risk for both. And the reason I want to bring this up is because quite often folks with type 2 diabetes have high blood pressure and folks with high blood pressure sometimes go on or already have type 2 diabetes. So they both seem to be linked. They both can cause, according to this article, increased rates of stroke, kidney failure, and other complications and it doesn't really claim to say which came first, the chicken or the egg. It's just that there's a high correlation that the two seem to go together. 
and the two really have fairly intense side effects. It might be worth a little read if you're interested in that and exploring that a little bit. It gives links to other studies and it uh, looks like a quick read. The article itself in time is only about a page, but I thought it was fairly interesting. And then the last article here is uh, in the Sun-Times of Chicago, and it is entitled, Ask the Doctors, CGM, a Useful Tool for Tracking Blood Glucose, Tracking Blood Glucose in Real Time. Now, this is something that I do use. I actually have been using it for over a year, and I find it to be extremely helpful. It's probably the most helpful tool that I have in solving my type 2 diabetes. This is an interesting article. The person asks, I have a friend. She has to do finger sticks all the time, but should she be using a continuous glucose monitor? Now, I have to say, it does go on to say that, hey, if you have type 1, if you really need a very good control, tight control, and you have to know everything to a very close degree that maybe finger sticks are still actually a little bit more accurate. But for somebody like me who just needs to get a general sense, are they running generally high this week or is it really high? Or what is it that a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, can be a very a helpful device? In fact, here they even say sometimes they let healthy people use them just to get a sense of how food affects them, which I thought was really interesting. Okay, so this is the main topic for the show. Each episode, I will have a main topic, and this week is, what is type 2 diabetes? So as I like to say, I am not a doctor. So this is not coming from me. This is coming from webmd.com, which I personally like to use. It's just their article called Type 2 Diabetes. It says, medically reviewed by Michael Danzinger, MD. So it starts off with a general part of what is type 2 diabetes. And it talks about how that it is a diagnosis that you get when you are, they call it insulin insensitive or insulin resistance. They're saying that most people are middle-aged or older. It used to be called adult onset diabetes, but now type 2 diabetes also is affecting kids and teens. They say that's mainly because of childhood obesity. There are 29 million people with type 2 diabetes. And now here's the interesting thing. They also say there's another 84 million people who have pre-diabetes. That means their blood glucose is high, but not high enough to be diabetes yet. So that's a total of almost 120 million people, which is almost a third of the adults in the United States, which is very interesting. This article was written back in... December of 2020. So that's over a year and a half ago. So I'm wondering if it's not actually higher uh, at this point. So it goes on to talk about signs and symptoms. So how do you know you have type 2 diabetes? A doctor, of course, will diagnose it when you have, like I said, an A1C level uh, higher than about 6.4, 6.5. And I think it's repeated measurement of that. An A1C is your average for the last three months. So it says, what are your symptoms that you might have? It says being very thirsty, like having blurry vision, maybe tingling or numbness in your hands and feet, wounds that won't heal. Some people experience weight loss without trying or getting frequent infections. So those are some of the symptoms that this article says that folks experience. 
Now they say, what actually causes it? Again, it's when your pancreas is having difficulty producing sufficient ins insulin and the insulin isn't being effective in getting glucose into your cells so it remains in your blood system. Uh, so they say it could be caused by genes. They say it could be caused by being obese, which is very overweight, or a combination of metabolic syndrome. And metabolic syndrome is having high blood pressure and high cholesterol and high triglycerides. Your liver, they say, could be pushing out too much glucose. Your cells, the, the gates in your cells could not be functioning properly. And that's usually because they're being bombarded by too much glucose and bombarded by then too much insulin, and they just don't react well at all. And also the cells in your pancreas, your beta cell might be wearing out, injured, damaged, that type of thing. So those are the things that they say could be the causes. Now, the risk factors, like what might help you get it, they say age is one that typically people who are 45 or older, if you have a close family member with type 2 diabetes or some ethnicities. And uh, they say if you have prediabetes, you're very likely to get diabetes. If you have a heart disease, you're likely to get it. If you have high blood pressure, again, being overweight, these are things that can, they believe, lead to type 2 diabetes. Another thing is smoking, lifestyle, things like that, or getting no exercise or having a whole lot of stress, they say, can lead to it. So again, under type 2 diabetes diagnosis and tests, the main, the gold standard, for example, they say, is the A1C. And again, that is the amount of red blood cells that have been damaged by sugar that are in your bloodstream. So checking that A1C level is what the doctors use to say, this is a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes or it's not. Uh, other tests are the fasting plasma glucose test or the oral glucose tolerance test. Okay, that's all a lot of information. Again, this is from WebMD. You can look that up and look at their type 2 diabetes article. So treatment, they have number one, lifestyle changes. And I am a firm believer in that. I, I'm finding that is helpful for myself. So they say weight loss, healthy eating. And by healthy eating, they say eating fewer calories overall, cutting back on refined carbohydrates, adding vegetables to your diet, and getting more fiber. And then exercise. They say that is very helpful. And again, I'm, I can show in myself anyway. And again, I like to say I'm an experiment of one. Just because I do something and it works doesn't mean it's going to work for anyone else. But I can say for myself, the exercise and the healthier eating uh, is very helpful. So medication. They do have lots of medications for it. One of the most common initial medications, especially for like pre-diabetes or beginning type 2 diabetes is metformin. And metformin lowers the amount of glucose your liver makes and it helps your body respond better to the insulin that it still does make. And from metformin, it goes on to different drugs, some that help your body make more insulin, some that make you more sensitive to insulin. There are drugs that can slow digestion so your insulin doesn't spike as high. And then there's ones that help your kidneys filter out more glucose. And, uh, and then it goes out with everything else your kidneys filter out. And then finally, you can actually take insulin in the form of an injection, but that's usually the more severe types of type 2 diabetes. But there's also lots of combinations. So I found that interesting. The big things that I take away is 
If you want to try and prevent it altogether, it's the lifestyle changes, the losing weight, the getting active, the eating right. And that can avoid the complications of heart disease, kidney troubles, problems with eyes and seeing, problems with sleeping. That was our topic of this week. I hope you found that interesting and helpful. I would look forward to getting topics from you as well. Over on our website, solvingtype2diabetes.com, we have a feedback link, and you just click on that. You type in your suggested topic or maybe a question you have or a suggestion. That just sends me an email, and I, I would see that right away. So feel free to do that, and it would be great to uh, have topics that you come up with that you find helpful, as well as the ones that I think of. Okay, so here is where I want to try and answer questions that you send in for me, and I can answer them on the air. If you don't want me to answer your question on the air, just say so in the email you send, and I will just answer you privately. Unfortunately, uh, because we're new, we don't have any questions yet. So I'm looking forward to that first question when it comes in, and uh, you can make it anonymous at most, the only thing I would use on the air would be your first name. We really don't have any questions, so we're going to move on. All right, that's wrapping up this episode of Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. Next time, we're going to talk about my story. So this time, we read some stuff off the web, and you really didn't learn anything else about me, but I thought it was important to learn what we're really talking about here with type 2 diabetes. So we covered that this week, but next week I'm going to talk about myself, which hopefully that's not too terribly boring, but I'm going to give you my story, my background, talk about my diagnosis, let you know what I've been going through for a few years, what I've tried, some of the things that have worked. So you'll get to learn more about me and my life as I'm dealing with my diagnosis. I hope you find that interesting and I will see you next week. That wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. <laughs>